Trevor. And I'm Lauren. And we're, we're the, the Boo, Boo Crew! Welcome to episode 64. This week, Danielle and Tony from the band Dead Posey. They take us behind the veil of their dark, spooky-infused rock and macabre influences. You'll hear tales of Ouija boards, ghosts, truly unsettling encounters with the real-life boogeyman, and stories of true crime. Ring around the rosy. This is Danielle. This is Tony. And, and we're Dead Posey. Put away that voodoo doll and listen up. It's another eerie episode of The Boo Crew. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio are two musicians and songwriters that got together in 2016. With the studio as their cauldron, they started casting spells that became the songs Buried in a Book of Shadows, an EP called Freak Show released last year. This collection of incantations were so well produced and cinematic that, much like a trail of incense from a thurible, ended up wafting through your favorite shows and video games. Anything with a dark intent from Lucifer, Teen Wolf, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, and many more. Acclaim from the coolest content aggregators out there, including Huffington Post and Pure Volume. Their newest single, Fire Burning, is out now on Sumerian Records, and they are touring and performing at festivals and shows throughout the fall. We are honored to welcome singer and producer Danielle Souza and producer, multi-instrumentalist Tony F., collectively known as Dead Posey. Yeah! Oh Thank my you. gosh! Can you can you come with us like wherever we go to introduce us to people like that? That is fabulous. Up, I love it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you guys so much. It's seriously an honor. We've been working on making this happen for a while, so it means a lot to us that you guys are here. It's a special night, and it's a full moon, so it was meant to be tonight. Yes. Magic, yes. Yes. it's in the air. <laughs> so your music and aesthetic has a very much of a swampy and spooky atmosphere to it. It's deep in the genre lore. Starting with you, Danielle. Can you tell us what is your earliest memory of being exposed to horror? As far as horror goes, it was more about just being afraid of things. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got suspicious about the movie element of it. And my first movie was The Nightmare on Elm Street, which Ah. Freddy scared the shit out of me as a young child. Same thing here. (laughs) (laughs) His claws just getting on that window. It just was the worst. So I feel like as far as the horror goes that was my first take on that and then it came into it that I watched at a friend's house which we weren't allowed to but like the TV miniseries the original yeah Yeah. because again we all had younger parents so they all had this stuff yeah and so by the time we were watching it it wasn't right when it came out. It was years later <laughs> and we would sneak around and watch that and get creeped out. But honestly, the one thing that creeped me out the most as far as that kind of stuff goes, which isn't so much horror, it was E.T. E.T. scared the shit out of me yeah, as a terrifying. child. And we used to play E.T., my cousins and I, and we'd all pretend that one of us was E.T. and then we'd be chasing each other around and scaring <laughs> each other. And my brother and sister and I would all have a lot of fun doing that. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it wasn't so much horror with the ET thing, but aliens in general still scare me. I don't know if that answered your question. No, is, there, is there any alien from any particular alien movie that terrifies you the most? No, besides ET. E. E. Yeah. Well, besides ET, it was the Discovery Channel back in the day. They used to play all those UFO shows oh, sure. all yeah. the time, and my parents would watch them, and so we'd watch them with them. And I watched so many that I would end up having night terrors and be screaming, aliens! And I'd wake my parents up, and they'd freak out. And so I, to this day, I'm like, I either was abducted and I don't remember, or I'm going to get abducted. <laughs> Wasn't there a thing where you were sure that there was an alien on a like out the window? Yeah. Like, so I was bringing up my toys one night, and my bedroom window was open, and I was probably about seven. So you never know if this is just a kid seeing things, but I feel like kids have a sixth sense more, yeah. and we kind of lose it sometimes as we get older. Sure. So I was walking upstairs, and I had the toys in my hand, and I remember feeling this feeling that premonition kind of intuitional feeling I see out the window there's either some kind of entity alien demon or something on the neighbor's roof and I just remember that feeling it wasn't so much what he looked like or he or she or whatever it was it was that feeling of terror like they're sucking my soul almost that kind of feeling and I just remember dropping my toys and running downstairs and sitting in the chair and rocking back and forth and my parents were like what the hell is wrong with you and I was like I think there's an alien on the roof (laughs) so I swear there has to be aliens out there what do you think area 51 is hiding from us are we going to storm it? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. We should be a part of this. Nope. <laughs> I know. I'm going to watch it on CNN. Let's find out. I think aliens, but <laughs> also that whole underground railroad thing. Have you guys heard about that? There's so many secrets there. So many, I mean, the underground railroad, the tunnels, right. the, the, you know, the depth that goes like crazy amount of floors. And I mean, who knows what's there. And the I mean, fact that they're guarding it with everything. Right. You, there has to be something yeah. there. They're doing some, yeah. some uns scrupulous things there I'm sure and maybe it's for the best it's better to think there might be something than to know for 100% fact maybe (laughs) right especially with aliens I know (laughs) I kind of do too but then it's like that curiosity killed the cat I'm kind of kind of scared about that have you guys been listening to a lot of those interviews that Tom DeLonge formerly of Blink 182 has been doing about it's fascinating yep I've read some of his even his tweets and stuff about all that I eat that up people think he's crazy I think he's a Amazing. Oh, yeah. And I feel these days a lot of people are getting poo-pooed for believing that stuff, but I think people should get poo-pooed for not. Yeah, yeah in I agree. My opinion. <laughs> I, there's so much more to all of us, and I don't know. What's in that? this there, universe? There's a Netflix doc we watched recently that was talking to that one guy. Who, oh, Bob Lazar? Yeah, yep. yeah. That one was pretty great. That's a great which story. One, which one was that? I don't. He's just, I mean, he, he was like interviewing, the, you know, had different army colonels and Air Force people that had definitely seen oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. were just talking about that. He's kind of been tracking yeah. that, I think, for that a That was long actually time. crazy. Yeah. Some of the stuff on there, for sure. Tony, what about you? Okay, where, where to begin? <laughs> well, it's, it's funny that Danielle mentioned ET because I'm a child of like the 80s so definitely 80s horror were some of the earliest memories poltergeist it as well but what was cool about movies even like quote unquote kids movies in the 80s in particular there was always this they were not afraid to scare I think and Mm -hmm. because I think that would really you know what you think of like return to Oz or something like that there is some (laughs) scary ish in that in that in that in that movie there's some scary stuff in there and so um 
You know, uh, and then it was, it was always a fascination with that. And, you know, one of the earlier ones that we've talked about, Jacob's Ladder, was a movie Ugh. that That was uh, one of the first movies you showed me at his house when we first started dating was <laughs> Jacob's Ladder. That movie's a trip. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It really holds up, too, you, you know? It? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that one, hold, that one holds up really well. Oh. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was always, you know, kind of fascinated with that stuff. Um, and, you know, just kind of the best movies of the genre would always get to me over the years. Even newer stuff like The Descent. I was a big fan of that. Oh, that's a great um, one. And, uh, you know, like 30 Days of Night, I think is a really good movie and stuff. And so... That's a great vampire movie. Yeah, we were actually just talking about Hereditary as well. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen the new one. We haven't seen Midsummer yet. Oh, it's great. Been, you guys are going to love it. We We've different. been hearing. We hear Didn't, isn't different. that the one that we just tried to go see, but then they ended up not having enough seats? Yeah, we were going to go see it at the Alamo Draft House, the oh, new cool. Alamo Draft yeah. House here in LA, which I've been hearing a lot about. We'd never been to one. And... It was like sold out even like a month after the movie had come out. So like, dang, dang it. You know? I know. That <laughs> so, would have been perfect that, that setting one, too. That, that's, that's on the, on the horizon for us. But um, yeah, kind of just like what Daniel was saying, you know, it's always been, you know, next to me in life. I wouldn't call myself like knowing every, I've, I haven't seen every Saw movie in the franchise or anything right. like that, you know, but the really, really great ones that really impact culture definitely impacted me as well. As far as horror And you're movies. a movie buff in general. Yeah, I'm a movie that, fan so. in nice. general. Nice. Just, just more than Across I am I I am definitely more of a visual and then you got the facts we, we talk cinema a lot we talk yeah. cinema <laughs> she, she used to call me Rotten Tomatoes yeah. we, like, we that's his good. nickname forever like, good day or bad day <laughs> I, always <laughs> no good either no, way like, I think cause as soon as we like we'll see movies together and I'll like I'll start talking about them and like I really like this and this didn't work for me and how does this you know this this didn't pay off but that was really great and you yep. see that effect so I guess I'm Mr. Rotten Tomatoes yep. That's well, a know, good thing. <laughs> seeing how there's so many subgenres of hoarders, slashers, there's paranormal stuff, there's yeah. you know, witches and vampires. Yeah. Do you guys have a favorite subgenre that today, looking back at everything you've seen so far, and right. you know, the subgenre I feel would be more dealing with the paranormal type stuff just because mm -hmm. I really believe that stuff is real. Have you and had any experiences with the paranormal? Because I haven't actually seen a ghost. It's more of premonition, intuition mixed with hearing and physically feeling stuff, mm -hmm. but I've yeah. never actually seen a ghost, so I can get into those stories for sure because I've definitely dealt with stuff that seems a little outer worldly, but i never actually seen a ghost as far as I know, unless I thought they were a human and it was really a ghost. <laughs> Yeah, in certain situations I've had. That could happen, yeah. Yeah. Would you ever play with the Ouija board? Funny story about that. I have not, and this is why. My Nana, when we were younger, bought us a Ouija board for Christmas. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> well, they're marketed towards yes, kids, right? So, yeah. <laughs> and we were all so excited about it. But my mom, sh same thing. She believes that there is shit you just don't mess with. And she definitely believed that it could bring evil type spirits and she's not a crazy person at all she's just very i don't want that around the house right and so she <laughs> she wrapped it up in i mean remember like a few plastic bags until she was able to take it back to toys r us and <laughs> we are with her so no i never got to play with it and i still don't because i feel like this weird like i'll be going against my mom if i play the ouija board weirdly I, so i like the toys r us cap at the end of that like you know right. it's, it's kind of like a gremlins thing like take no. this thing back no we're taking yeah. it back to toys r us exactly that's yeah, the only place you can get it what a couple of years ago when they yeah. sold a pink ouija board <laughs> that's hilarious yeah geared it's towards like, kids yeah. 
kids. Yeah, that's little what girls. I, like, come play and with like, the devil. Yeah, I'm exactly. not. I'm not down with the Ouija boards either. We, yeah, yeah, we would never. See, I was it's just say, there's certain things you can bring in. I feel. So yeah. Yeah, you, you believe that possibly there could be like dark, dark stuff, like demons, perhaps. Yeah, and I feel like if you don't protect yourself right and you do it, you can allow those darker, dense energies in. And I just don't want to even mess with it. So right. I rather just. And plus, my mom taught me not to play with it in the first place. So I'm just going to keep on listening to nice. her. <laughs> and that's sort of our sort of contrast, I think, because I'm fascinated with that stuff. But I, I might call myself a not a, a skeptic, but a little more, a little more on that side of right. things. And my favorite show growing up as a kid was the X-Files. And like mm-hmm. I nice. named bands after that and everything. So that kind of Mulder, Scully, like skeptic yep. believer thing we <laughs> kind of have with each other. And it's kind of a cool thing. It kind of informs even how we do music and stuff, too. Yep. So I've never done it. Maybe if I did a Ouija board officially and went for it, I would change my tune. <laughs> I'm just I'm waiting for the experience to happen. But we've you know, we've been to places that. There's a hotel in Palm Springs, I think, that they said yeah. it was like one of the I mean, like the Palm Springs Hotel. I can't remember what it was. And I can't suppose, think of supposedly it haunted. And mm-hmm. there's like a like the ballroom or convention room or something. It was closed. There was no one there. It was dark. It felt weird. And yeah, you, you, you wanted to get the hell energy. out of there. Yeah. yeah and there's I felt certain that places too. that do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so I feel like if you have the Ouija board, it'll just let that gravitate towards you even more. Yeah. So it's like, I'm open to away. it. I'm open to it. Bring, no, bring I it. Told bring him, it on. You need to be careful with that because <laughs> yeah. it will come be to careful you. careful what you wish for. Yeah. And then that means it's coming to me and I don't want right. exactly. <laughs> You'll be there. Yep. I'll want you there. Cause you know, you know more. Yep. I'm always afraid if I ever do play with a Ouija board, if anything fucked up did happen afterwards, even anything okay. negative, I would blame it on the Ouija board. Of I would just, you know, like it's a psychosomatic like thing. Effect. Yeah. Yep. So uh-huh. if I don't, you know, it's, Fine, you know, yep. So you haven't done that yet. You haven't no, officially done. Never, I never will. Okay, never will. Okay. Yeah, I, never I will. observed it as a kid. Well, okay, you know, when I was like in the fifth See, grade, you were so. letting others deal with. Yeah, that. but you know what? My experience with that was, I watched a girl who would not tell a lie break, right. break down in tears uh, in see? a split second, and that fucking frightened me. And of I'm course. like, I'm out of here. Of course, I'm like, wow. she's crying. Of course, I'm out of here. And it's and a like, thing. Again, you know, we're all humans. We feel those intuitional and premonition yeah. feelings, whether we yeah. like to believe it or not we yeah. do and i guarantee you felt that yeah. feeling and you're like not touching yeah, that not shit touching it. Nope. Yep. okay <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we're all on board we're not playing with that <laughs> shit exactly. okay. not tonight. actually <laughs> good, good, work good, good work here today people we're all, right. we're all ouija board versions <laughs> I, I feel really good about this okay <laughs> danielle i wanted to talk about your lyrics and your inspiration that you get from lyrics. were you big into dark literature horror literature where, mm-hmm. where are you getting the vessel to communicate in the way that you do through your songs so that comes from again the human experience i feel that we all have the joker in us a little bit and then we have the nice guy whoever that's batman (laughs) right you know (laughs) we have a little bit of both and i tend to tap into the dark side of myself and that comes also with sometimes getting the depression side and i feel there's just really captivating stories with that and it's therapeutic So I feel like a lot of those lyrics come from that space of the darker side of life that we all endure sometimes. That's where most of the lyrics come from. And then, of course, when we go into the studio, Tony and I, then we'll bounce ideas off of maybe a few words that I've written or a few sentences I've written or a full thing that I've written. But then we'll tap into each other 
and really think deeper about the lyrics and make it more into a story. Otherwise, it'd be more rambling. Where do you find that you got that vocabulary from? What were you reading when you were growing up? I was always interested in the unknown. Honestly, even when I was in preschool, so I would have been no more than four years old, I vaguely remember being on one of the little toys where you can climb up and sit up there and I was by myself and I remember looking up at the sky and being like why the fuck am I here again <laughs> and I remember thinking that feeling so I feel like at a very young age it was that kind of really deeper rabbit hole thinking which sometimes can get you into trouble but I feel that's where that comes from it's just always mm-hmm. a thought of there's something there like the fourth dimension that we can't see also mixed with more of the twisted side of our psychology and that's why we're both into personality types and all that kind of yeah I think for us like when when we first started working on stuff together and she has this book of like ideas lyrics you know poems all this kind of stuff a lot of it did have kind of a spiritual supernatural element and i think i mean you just you're interested in like true crime stuff you're interested yeah. in you know stories oh, yeah, from your grandfather yeah. you know you were fascinated by again horror movies and you know well even stuff like that also so, you just reminded me when i was in high school rotten.com was huge oh, and yeah, i remember yeah. she liked the real stuff that. right <laughs> like she was fascinated with and that. it wasn't because of being twisted it was more just a fascination like god someone can really look like that and get cut up like the black dahlia was on the real pictures were on there for oh, a yeah. while so i remember seeing that kind of stuff my brother's also an emt right now and he has the most crazy stories that yep. happen to them on a daily basis that they see i'm always asking him like oh what happened so i think that's more the morbid side of life but i also like the psychological side i like to know why does that person think that way or what made them do that murder whatever yeah it would usually almost start with that with more of like a kind of a grounded real world sort of relationship or something and then how can we tell that story with with, you know with daniel's lyrics that has some of that this sort of the dressing of it a little bit could be also you went to church and stuff as a kid so we're bringing some of the religious imagery a little bit religious thing is I am not religious at all. I'm very much more so spiritual. I don't know if you guys heard Albert Einstein's quote. He said, all religions are branches of the same tree. Mm-hmm. And I really do think that is true in every sense of the word. And yeah, he always used the word God. Yeah. And, but he meant it for every religion. Exactly. Yeah. And I really like that thought process of religion in general. But so we would use some of that imagery from the you heard growing up. Right. We're talking about Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but like mm-hmm. how it applies to a real world world kind of relationship you know don't stop the devil right boogeyman just stuff in your mind basically that's uh you know maybe yeah we're all a little dark and twisted i definitely believe that but we're also we're light and dark (laughs) just like most movies most main characters are both the light and the dark when you went out and became dead posy was there like a, a moment when you had a sit down conversation about all right this is the stuff that interests us we want to make a cohesive creative movement we're going to call it dead posy it's going to look like this it's going to sound like this these are the songs we're going to make is that what you did or did it evolve into it definitely from the get-go when we decided to start this band it was very much so the aesthetic of it and just the vibe we wanted the music to feel a part of the aesthetic of it that we portray online the reason we like the dead posy name is we thought of it because of that ring around the rosy pocket full of posies and (laughs) that's where we got the name and also it's just a reminder that we are all going to die one day and so we kind of like to remind people not in a morbid way 
but kind of more like in the Victorian days where they would kind of glorify death. They would even take respect, pictures. Really respect right. It. right. The memento mori as Austin always uh, refers right. to it. That's yeah. right. right. Yeah. People would take pictures with their deceased dad sitting up, right? Just yesterday at the Mystic Museum, they were telling us how they had a picture of a guy propped up with, wasn't it one of his family members or something? So. Yes. And he so. was dead, but the family member was standing next to them as like their last memory of them. We just want to remind people of that as well, but in like a kind of ritual way, I guess. Sure. I think a yeah, beautiful way. But I think yeah. we did kind of have, because Danielle was in other bands, I was doing a lot of other stuff and producing and it was like, it was a bit of a, we wanted to take stuff from the past, you know, that was some of the older the kind of the fuzzier tones and some of this kind of vintage yeah. sound mm-hmm. and even some of these ideas almost from the past and sort of this like the lyrics have a little bit of a classic a, a sense of that you know right. coming from Danielle's dark twisted brain and, <laughs> and it was a bit of a yeah let's let's go with this and see how far we can kind of stay on this kind of thing because it's easy to kind of get scattered around these days there's yeah. a million things hitting you all the time so yeah bands kinda, these days have to be everything is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and but but like it was it was good to kind of have this through line that we're we're kind of running mm-hmm. with. And as we did song by song, it just kind of add that's where the organic side of it came in, you know. We write a song and like, oh, let's stay on this path here and then we kind of do like one song at a time and then the EP sort of came from that. And so that's where the organic thing grew. But it was with this sort of an, a concept of like, let's go into this thing. I wanted to mention that Dead Posey in the studio. You guys, I've used this word on the podcast a few times lately, but you guys are really alchemists when you go in there. I want yep. you to discuss the power of production yep. in terms of how you guys are using it in a very unique way to augment what is incredibly traditional forms of rock almost to the core. I mean, it's like folk blues almost that you guys are Mm -hmm. are dealing with, but you're clashing it with technology, but you're not crossing that line where your music still has that draw to it Mm -hmm. without becoming too sterile. Of course. It has more character. How do you do that? That's that contrast thing again, I think that we're really fascinated with. Like, how can we take some classic forms, a a classic verse and chorus, classic sounds, but we are not shy at all about using every tool at our disposal Mm -hmm. in the modern era to get to that. And so, and of course, as time goes on, we'll do more live band type stuff in the studio. But these days I feel like we like doing a little bit of both. Yeah. We kind of keep it all contained a little bit and, but like, how can we make it sound as like as big as possible, but still earthy and organic. Yeah, We don't like anything to sound too clean. We like it to sound like it has a little dust on it. We like everything kind of of screwed up. (laughs) It's it's, it's a killer sound, man. (laughs) You got got the guitars with the fuzz, a few effects here and there, reverb and stuff. And then you got your vocals. Mm. Damn. I mean, you got <laughs> amazing you. vocals no, and it, it walks a fine line of like being overdriven or, you know, a little distorted. That's <laughs> a rock voice right oh, there. Thank you. Like, I think it's like a combination of our influences. There's a bit of like growing up in the 80s, like big melodies and stuff like that. Then going into my kind of formative years in like the 90s and like a little bit of that punk sound, grungy, right. whatever you want to call it. Yeah, we have a and, lot of influences and, for sure, which I feel like most musicians, they take from their different people that they are influenced by and then they turn it into their own so we definitely have done that yeah like you said alchemy like i don't know exactly what the uh <laughs> what the what the ingredients are but we were trying stuff and it stuff it started mm-hmm. to work and so that's why alchemy is a dark magic right we don't know <laughs> we know yeah. we can't exactly mm-hmm. explain and it just seemed to work out mm-hmm. and we the way we bounce off of each other and yeah just using the tools at our disposal to kind of to make it sound like 
what we want to hear. So the genesis of this, you guys spent a year in the studio before going live with the sound? Yep. Before going live, yeah. I mean, we had kind of basically finished the EP and even some other songs that never came out. Danielle had been in other bands playing locally. I'd had various other musical things in my past right. and everything. And it was like, let's get the sound right. Let's get our, our ideas yeah, out there. And, and just get the vision of the band because it's so important. And I feel like you can be an amazing band and go play at a million different places, but you have to kind of have a what you're doing too. Like a with, focus. If, yeah. A focus. And that was really important because my other band, it was just, oh, let's just go play around town to every rock dive bar you can possibly think of, which was awesome. And we thought we were the shit. But then in reality, <laughs> when you take a step back you're like oh no we're not that great and then that's when Tony and I decided let's try to do something else and we just really had to focus on the sound and what we were going for and the aesthetic and all that fun stuff and I feel like it's my true authentic self now all the way which that's why I love Dud Posey. Nice. And sort of did it the opposite way because, you know, it was more about releasing music and trying to use getting stuff out online. You can right. reach a lot of people without playing a show. Mm -hmm. But then soon it was like, we need to play some shows. Yeah, you, we gotta you, figure of this course out. you get the itch to want to start playing live. Yeah, and so. then that, that's where it also took a new life. You know, we started to do some tours toward the end of last year and we got some festivals and stuff coming up and that's mm -hmm. where the songs take a new life, which then in, informs the next round of writing we're doing now for another EP. Yeah, so chapter two of DP is around the corner. Yeah. Nice. We're adding an extra few little flavors that are newer than what we were using before. So yeah, stay like, tuned. How, <laughs> how can we keep that fuzzy kind of that kind of thing, but like adding some other elements into right. it, a little more electronic stuff, but still, you know, dead posy. Mm -hmm. so. Very cool. Do you guys <laughs> have a, a mm -hmm. menu that you love playing? I think the Metro in Chicago was awesome yeah, when we yeah. played there. That yeah. was an epic night. Just the old, theater yeah it's really cool there i so. love old theaters yeah, it was awesome we actually asked them if we can go on a ghost tour and they were going to take us but then they end up getting busy for the <gasps> oh. night so we didn't get to do it <laughs> i know much, pretty much in every city is like is there like a ghost tour around here we can right. do is <laughs> this venue haunted you need a reality show <laughs> i know <laughs> we're trying we want to try to do a you our youtube channel and start doing different ghost yeah. tours on tour right. for sure yeah. well apparently there's that venue right what's it called the, the rave there's the rave yes. we did that we played that last year yeah okay. we played that, that last place year. is crazy we that energy is crazy and there. some of the doors were locked and stuff oh, and they man. said you can't go in there and and obviously the jeffrey Dahmer, yeah we weren't allowed jeffrey to Dahmer go hotel his hotel was across the street mm -hmm. oh no way the i didn't know that. Yeah. yeah no the rave is insane People, that, well, that's talked about that on yeah. this yeah, right? yeah gerard oh. way told us a story about yeah, that place, how haunted that place was it yeah. is it is we, it's crazy it just the minute you walk in those rooms and those corridors because there's so many little different nooks and crannies in that place and there's multiple rooms. Yeah, there's like five rooms to, the bands can like play Like a huge in there. Yeah. theater oh, right. for like how many seats? That, the, that huge one, right? Yeah. Yeah, we got stomp and clap samples in there because it sounded <laughs> so good. 2,000, 3,000 or it's something insane. like that. It's insane. That yeah. one was huge. We didn't play in that then one. We like played in one of the smaller stages like yeah. there. But just all the nooks and crannies, there's, there's that eerie feeling. You get that feeling and I don't think it's a good feeling. And I saged that day too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I just remembered. It's all coming back to me. Wait, you saged yourself for the venue? Sage. No, the venue. Oh, wow. I saged the venue when we were setting up merch. I was walking around with my sage and I was setting, I was saging the shit out of it. It felt heavy. Yeah. Does that energy make it hard to play? Or do you try to like no. overcome it and be like, 
Where no, do you go with it? I, yeah, right. where does it go with it? I feel just because before every show, there's those little nerves anyway. Yeah. So right. I feel it gets like into show mode, if kinda, there yeah. was anything, it can't even really tap into that because you're already like worried about the show in general. And I am, I'm actually a very big introverted person and I do get very nervous when I have to do public speaking or anything. And the only thing that doesn't make me as nervous is when I'm singing, but it's in between the songs when I have to talk. That always is nerve wracking to me. But no, I do not feel like any bad energy so far has messed with me before a show. Knock on wood. That thought stays put. That's kind of the cool (laughs) thing with music, too, is because when we're up there, it's a real release and Mm -hmm. it's supposed to bring joy. And maybe it brings joy to the the spirits, too, you know. (laughs) And just the crowds, too, when they're so happy and into it, I feel like that good positive energy almost cancels out any bad. And I'm sure the sage helped. Too. Yeah. Were you guys ever warned, like, don't go into this room or don't touch this chair? Oh, well, or we weren't allowed to go yeah. into the where the pool area is in there. They actually had it locked for the night, so oh. we weren't even allowed to go in there. And I think so. that was the area that maybe they'd say, oh, yeah, there's yeah. maybe stuff going on in here, mm-hmm. haunting. So we'll have to get in there somehow when we go back there. Again. But we're big in looking into that stuff. Like, anytime we go somewhere, the first <laughs> thing is like, is there a ghost tour we can go? We've been to a ghost tour in Hawaii, which was actually awesome. That's in the Honolulu. best one. If you guys ever go to Honolulu, Go on the ghost tour. It's Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe. I don't know the name of the ghost tour, but it's Uncle Joe. He's (laughs) He's phenomenal. He's the tour guide? He's the guy. (laughs) And it's not a cheesy one either. It's a really, it's just in his little van and there's only three or four other people with us. And he took us in some creepy ass places where they used to have piles and piles of bones back long. He's like a native Hawaiian, you know, so right. he has a lot of history way before. And he's pre- carrying his salt the whole time and everything. And he took us to different burial grounds and different areas that are supposedly have lots of energy and that are haunted. And, and he's like an I awesome guy, it. like a real character. Like a, like yeah, a, like a yeah it sounds like it, right? Yeah, so he's, check, he's check, awesome. check out Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe. Joe. <laughs> so Hawaii. Your next, That's first, yeah, Hawaii. <laughs> your next Hawaii vacation. Yeah. Hawaiian ghosts. Where do they find the best ghosts? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you guys done Zach Baggins Museum? Oh, Haunted Museum? No. No, no but we were, we were, we're just hearing about now. that. Someone was yes. just telling us about that. Yeah. We want to go so bad. Yeah, people have been talking about it a lot recently. It's actually been making news because he got... Uh, so, it's, yeah, it's in, in an actual haunted Victorian mansion in Vegas. And it's Zach Baggins who does the ghost uh, hunting show. What's it called? Is it Ghost Adventures? Ghost Adventures? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, he bought this mansion and started putting haunted objects and things like that from his oh, adventures awesome. in this one place. But he ended up getting the chair, the rocking chair that was associated with the Warren's case. Uh, the devil made me do it, which mm. is one of the only times in American court history where possession was used as a, as a defense, defense for murder. Yeah. yeah. And, and did oh, it go? Man. Did they get acquitted? No. Yeah, I don't okay. believe so. As the rumor so, is that's the plot for Conjuring 3. I was going to say, where that's got to hit one of the Conjuring movies. You yeah. Know? And then the chair, wow. there, there's a rocking chair that was in the room while they were doing exorcisms and things like that. The demon or whatever it was mm-hmm. apparently would have manifest on the chair and cause the chair to levitate and rock back and mm-hmm. forth. So there's actually, the chair ended up being passed down to members of the family. Mm. Zach Baggins found out where it was, huh. bought the chair, stuck it in his museum. Not a few weeks after, all of a sudden all the news sources were saying that 
Zach Baggins shuts down his museum really? because guests of the museum who were on the floor above where the chair was would pass out oh my oh, God. No, or no, just no, no, no. hit the ground crying, bursting mm-hmm. into tears. Wow. So he closed it down <laughs> and I'm not sure if he got rid of the chair, but it sparked a discussion because Lauren was like, well, isn't that what you'd want to happen to you at a haunted museum? And I'm like, no, I just want to see the stuff. I don't want anything to happen. That's the thing. I want it to, I want it to happen. We're right back to this again. I want it to happen. I'm going. You better Stay be careful what room. you wish for. I want to go stay in room 1408. <laughs> That's me. I want to be John Cusack. I want it. That's a great movie, by the way. Myself yeah. out the window. Yeah, that's that was movie. an insane movie. Yeah. Uh, you'll be crying like a baby. I in know. The corner <laughs> well, you, you. You'll protect mm. me, right? You'll be there. The museum uh, also has like serial killer artifacts. Yeah. Too. Yeah, they do. Uh, I, and I want to talk a bit about that yeah, with uh-huh. you. you you're, so you're into true crime yeah. cases, yeah, books. Just what it, not so much that I know so much about them. I just know the gist of most of them. Them, the Black Dahlia and my papa, hey, of course, grandfather. with the Wonderland murders and then the highway killers and those kinds I know specifically about. Again, are the Charles Manson, obviously, those yeah, we murders. Yeah, we just passed Ugh. the 50th anniversary a couple days ago. That's right, so They were trying to release the Tarantino movie on that date, but I think that mm-hmm. it, something got screwed up with mm-hmm. that. So maybe tell the podcast listeners about who your papa is. Yeah, you brought us a book it. today. Yeah. 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 She, brought us a gift. <laughs> she brought us a gift. I did. The book is called Malice in Wonderland. Yes. And my papa's name is Robert Souza and his detective partner, Tom Lang, they both wrote a book about being the detectives, homicide detectives on the Wonderland murders. And you get a lot of inside scoops that you probably never even heard of because it's from their perspective. So it's a great and, book. And her granddad did a ton of like, like was like the main homicide detective on a lot of like classic LA mm-hmm. crime stories, including that one. So, and, and that then was his, after my papa retired, his partner was still working. He's the one, Tom Ling, that was the detective for the O.J. Simpson. Simpson. I knew the name. I recognize the name. And he's the one that was talking to him on the phone while he was in the Bronco. He was the cop on the phone with him. Yeah, They have have crazy stories. Yeah, Definitely get Malice in Wonderland if you guys... I can't wait to read this. (laughs) It's really good. Were you ever able to sit with your grandma and just get stories from him? Oh, yeah. He had the old tapes from going through the murder scene because it was the first time that they actually recorded and videoed a murder scene oh, to start wow. helping with their detective work. Sure. And back in the day, they had it attached to cords, so they had to lift cords like over like body. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he actually showed me some of that VHS tape footage wow. probably like seven, eight years ago now. I was just morbidly curious. I'm like, hey, Papa, do you guys have that? And he dug around and found it and we watched it and it oh, that insane. insane. But you can find it on the internet now. Yeah. That oh, footage. Yeah. And this it's is like crazy. with the bodies and everything. Yeah. And, yeah. and Tom Ling, you can hear him. He's the one talking in the video too. Like this is so-and-so laying on the floor, blah, blah, blah. And it's crazy. And it's the real deal. You see the actual bodies and everything. It's wow. really sad. But that's the thing with all the true crime. It's obviously horrible and it's real life horror. And I feel like that's why that interests me more than movies but that's why the movies when they're more about the paranormal stuff that creeps me out and murderers creep me out too because there's no getting around crazy. It's the last couple of days uh, I was watching these specials on the Charles Manson the Uh Manson family murders and uh, one thing that was questioned and stood out was how somebody like Tex Watson who never committed murder Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. was told make it as bloody as possible and he would not even know that 
because there was no internet back then. There were no photos back right. then. So how did he know? How do you just put yourself in that mind, the state of mind that just like, okay, we're going to... It's like it, a, a little switch goes on or off and then you're just like seeing red. I guess that's the fascination in it all, right? Why there's like this, why the country is so fascinated by this. Like what, you know, there's the whodunit aspect of Mm -hmm. all these kind of things. Like, I mean, we listened to serial, you know, we were obsessed with the serial podcast. We watched the various HBO, like the jinx and things like that. And then, but you're trying to figure out. Making a murder isn't. Yeah. Making a murder is great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like that. And that's more like sort of the legal issues of an innocent person. But like, how did this person Person, get to this point? And I think, Well, that's why this book's so great that they wrote Malice in Wonderland, because they were the detectives that got into their the minds of some of the people that were involved with this stuff. And yeah. it's really interesting. Besides that Wonderland case, is there any other cases that intrigue you more so than others? I think the Black Dahlia one, just because... It's so sad that she was just cut in three pieces and just Probably, left like, in a field. Like, yeah, like perfectly. Like, yeah, stri- like, it's just sick. What, what do you think happened to her? Do you think she was propped up that way and she was killed? Oh, you know? yeah. It's definitely the showing it off. Look what I did. Kind of like a cat bringing a mouse to the front door. Like, look, mom, I killed this little mouse. It's. I think that's what that person was doing that killed her. That's what I would assume. It's like their trophy on display, like their art piece, which is twisted and horrifying. But that's what I think that is when they're doing that kind of putting on display, so to speak. When you think about like people that collect serial killer stuff, like there are women that like write Mm -hmm. serial killers in jail and get like toenail clippings. Yeah, wasn't that there there was like a murder auctions and things like that that were going around where you can yeah buy their nail clippings because they're sitting in jail and they're selling bags and their nail clippings. I think artwork that they're doing. Pretty conflicted about that. Right. I feel like it goes. I think that just goes down such a psychological morbid (laughs) curiosity and they just want to feel a part of it in some way even if they never want to kill anybody. Maybe they're just so like oh you're god because you actually did something so outlandish so i don't get it but i feel from a psychological standpoint just from all the personality stuff that i've looked and done with research on psychologists and like spiral dynamics and how people think and what makes you tick i can see why someone might be fascinated by that and it's kind of like bad like you're dating the bad boy right it's almost like i think that's like the psychology maybe behind it like the super bad boy right <laughs> the bad 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 boy we've also we thought our exes were bad <laughs> it's another level we've also <laughs> kind of grown up all of us with great movies and great works about right. serial killers and not to say mm-hmm. it's necessarily glorifying but it's really tweaked the fascination of that from silence of the lambs and and on oh, and on god that one you know mind hunter another great show that's yes. coming out uh, again and so maybe we have people growing up that see these movies that, that might have not know how to process that or not know how to look at it as art or as a, a fictional story or whatever and so they attach to the real things like oh how can I get a piece of this you know right. because it's elevated it's on this elevated level oh I can write to this person in jail and they're gonna mm-hmm. and that person's gonna take those letters because it's more attention for them and, and so you get this relationship right. that starts to develop and then you get toenail clippings being collected and things like <laughs> <Yes>. that. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you hear that sto- the story that uh, um, Black Dahlia stayed at the Cecil the night before she was murdered. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Cecil is known because the famed 
LA Night Stalker, serial killers, so yeah. stay there often. Oh. Yeah. And also a bunch of shady people that were doing heavy drugs and murders and stuff. Like, and also you fast forward to just a few years ago, the right. old Alyssa Lamb story where she was found dead in the water tank. That's right. so horrible. So horrible. What? what That's you, so scary, man. What years was the Night Stalker active? Summer of 85, that- I think. 85, 84, 85. And your grandfather definitely investigated that. That was one of the I'm serial killers. I'm pretty he, he sure that was one of so, the ones that he worked on. I know the highway killers was definitely one of the ones, but I'm 50% sure that is. <laughs> 50% sure. I don't, I so don't, don't want to, I don't want to bullshit. I, I think it is, <laughs> I, but I'm not I thought, he, I thought he told that story, but I'm, yeah. maybe I'm, okay. Another thing that's <laughs> We just, should get him on the podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes, yes. We should. Let's call him up. They will. They, they will. As far as, again, just to dive into the psychology of some of these people. The other thing that creeps me out too is because I've had a few things happen to me personally with people that are a little off. Like I've been in a mall before looking at posters in a store and a guy came up behind me and swiped me front to back yeah. and like started taking off running. Between the legs. And then I, I ran after him because I just it was the fight or flight mode. I'm like, I'm fighting. So I started running after him in the mall and he went through a corridor and then turned and stopped like he wanted me to follow him. Oh my God. And it's that feeling of stop, don't go. And so that happened. And then the other thing that just happened a few years ago is I got home late and he wasn't home. He was out of town on tour with his old band. And I had this horrible feeling that something just felt off. And I was like, God, what is that fucking feeling I have? And I just thought I was freaking myself out type of thing. And look through the whole house, make sure everything's locked up. Right before I got in the shower, I went over to the spare bedroom and I was standing by the window and I was like, God, is that, is my hearing something? But the blinds are closed and it's like that feeling you get, like, I don't want to look, but I'm like, ah, I think I'm just making shit up in my head. So I get in the shower. No sooner do I shut the curtain, I hear a thump on the bathroom wall from the outside no no so <laughs> i get out of the shower butt ass naked of course and i'm like standing there i'm like what the fuck is that is that the plumbing and as soon as i look up i see a guy's face yes. in the window yeah. no yeah, for real. staring in the window oh my god <laughs> and it took about five seconds and i just screamed like the blood curdling scream and it reminded me of freaking psycho kind of but except he wasn't inside the house thank god and i just remember running and calling on my phone to our landlord that he ended up coming out right away and looking around the property scariest part there was a wooden beam up against the house with little dirt footprints on it someone had used because the bathroom was like a a few feet you had to like get up on something to get your face into yes so i definitely did not just see something it there was evidence too that that had happened so we actually moved so long story short that was our cool house in silver lake we had to move i know (laughs) wow (laughs) just the psychology of people even doing that yeah let alone killing someone i I just don't get it that's the only the only two things that creep me out are people that do that kind of stuff or the paranormal stuff because those are two things you don't really have control over sure yeah you're kind of yeah. just like a sitting duck and they don't make sense it makes no <laughs> right. sense yeah, yeah exactly it makes no yeah. sense and you just have to be very open to your surroundings and know the boogeyman really does exist in human form and possibly in spiritual form that's like freddy krueger exactly that's why he's so scary exactly because <laughs> you have no control uh-huh oh the dreams well, yep. oh yeah the dream don't thing fall is asleep that's uh, like the worst yeah. thing like no stay up you gotta well, stay up i just but. had a dream too which i have sometimes where i'm getting chased by some kind of demon 
And I start saying this prayer in my dream and I keep on waking up in my dream. But if I keep on saying the prayer, I wake up and the demons pissed and that's happened at least a dozen times. Are the, so, is the prayer a lyric to the to a no, new song now? No, it's not. It should be it's, it's, <laughs> it's a religious prayer that I've known since I was little and it's wow. not that I even say that in real life. It's just in my dream, I naturally always say it. Isn't that interesting? It is. It's, it's a Catholic weird. prayer? Pretty much, yeah. Right. You were raised that way, right? <laughs> yeah, but I'm not practicing. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the uh, amazing visuals that you guys do and in particular the video for Don't Stop the Devil. Got an incredibly eerie tone to it. Can you tell us about the development of that video and the creepy senior citizen witches? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's go first with the way we came about writing the song. Do you want to start diving into that? Yeah. First? I mean, that was one where I think we were talking about movies and stuff. And mm-hmm. I think we might have been talking about it hadn't come out yet. But like the trailer for like Suicide Squad was oh. all the rage and it was a rad trailer. And we were talking about let's talk about the Joker and Harley Quinn and this kind the of relationship. Like, this like mm-hmm. really really bad relationship where she couldn't get out of it but he, there's something we all love the right. Joker you know like right. and so and also I've had obviously not some good relationships in the past that I felt like maybe I was dating the Joker so yeah, it, that tied devils. into the lyrics so we as well s- you know like little good don't stop the devil you're fascinated by mm-hmm. this person you like know. the toenail clipping right yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. you're kind of fascinated this person yeah, not, not necessarily a serial killer but you no. know someone that's not good for you right. and so that's where the song came from as far as the video yeah the video we just wanted it to feel eerie and be fast paced it was the first video we had done yeah it was like a fast fast you guys saw it yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, just we hung up little um, Blair Witch type dolls in the trees and stuff (laughs) so we did that and we were actually in Griffith Park at night Uh, we weren't actually allowed to be but we were that's a creepy place in itself yeah that's a a bad place to be it's not because it's Indian burial grounds right and it's haunted by the wife of uh, Jay Griffith. Yes, uh, I've Sarah, heard that. Sarah, 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 everywhere. I think her name is. I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's creepy. Yeah, there's definitely an energy there too. So we were filming there for most of it, the outdoor stuff. But one of the women that was in it that has close-ups of her face, funny enough, we didn't know it at the time, her son was in the Rob Zombie Halloween movie and he actually hit us up a little bit after the movie and said, hey, my mom was in your video. And I was like, this is perfect. That's so cool. <laughs> a, lot of, so. a lot of times with the videos and with that one as well, we were working with our the director, Chris Birkenkamp, and the way we'll start is Danielle will start making this like insane Pinterest board of just mm, like Pinterest is amazing cool when it comes images to... that like we feel it's it's a little more abstract, a little more impressionistic. At least that one didn't have like a very clear cut sort of story. Pause for a second. Yes. Have you guys actually looked on Pinterest and looked at creepy pictures and stuff? You can make a board in five minutes. Oh, I it's bet. It's just like pin, 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 <laughs> yeah. and it's creepy as shit. And there's a lot of old ass pictures, real old antique pictures. Oh, is that of like some of the people. ones that you got on the Dead Posey Instagram? Um, there's oh, yeah. old, that, old ones. A lot of that stuff goes more like Salvador Dali and kind of sure. this like abstract <clears throat> picturesque type yeah. stuff. For the Don't Stop the Devil video, we found a lot of different cool pictures on just from Pinterest and you can make boards so easily for videos and stuff and it even when we start writing songs sometimes I'll just start pinning stuff that I'm feeling right. huh. that it, this the visual I'm getting in my head from the song and usually we're always thinking about videos at the same time 
But anyways, continue. Oh. <laughs> I'm ranting. <laughs> well, no, I'm it's just that it, it kind of comes from a little more of an abstract place with that one. Whereas like the freak show video had a little more of like a story mm-hmm. that we sometimes with music videos, we work with the directors of this great idea for a story. And then you watch it. It's like, does the story come through sometimes? Maybe let's just show the cool stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think with Don't Stop the Devil, there wasn't really like a, we're we going to tell an A, B and C story. Yeah, we were was, trying to do that. But then there's so much cool B footage that yeah. we ended up just making it a bunch of B footage. It changed and he added a little bit. But I mean, definitely we wanted to put the same, the, that that vibe of what Dead Posey is out. That's why we went to Griffith Park and got those awesome, the awesome extras that are kind of like creepy. Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking about right now. <laughs> I'm thinking about that video. It's been a while. I'm so. just thinking about our next videos too. I'm just excited. Oh, we're too. stoked. We're stoked. <laughs> yeah. Well, being part of Sumerian, they're doing something really interesting now is they actually have that film division and they've dipped right. into making films. They did that horror film, American Satan. Yep. And then they have right. this yep. uh, TV show that they're working on based on that Paradise City with right. Bella Thorne. And has that been something as far as being involved with them and being a part of that family that you've thought about exploring as far as going into other film content, making your own film or something like that? Because I, I, I mean, mean, you guys obviously course, have a visual would, eye for that. Yeah, I would love to do that. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's like that thing where I have to have one focus at a time. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll just go on tangents. Right. And I feel that as soon as the band's in an established place where honestly the money's coming in and stuff, I would love to dive into that a little bit more because I every single video, it's very much so... I have a very specific vision of what I'm wanting with that. And I feel whoever we've worked with, they work with us and they really nail it every time. But as far as wanting to do movies and that kind of stuff, I would love to. But I feel I don't know what the future holds, but I could see that happening one of these days. Yeah, we've kind of got so. the blinders on right now to like music, music, get more music out. Next year is going to be a lot of touring. We're hoping we're kind of looking at some different mm-hmm. opportunities now. But as soon as there's like the right thing to do I mean like we said I'm a huge movie buff we talk about movies all the time that's Um, why music videos are so much fun to be a part of because some artists they don't they aren't really a part of that side they just let someone make their whole timeline where it's the opposite for us we're like this is what we want and then we're like re-critiquing the time or the (laughs) the treatment we're we're in the editing we send a whole storyboard of like what we want so we are very much so a part of that side of it they must love that though collaborating with people who know exactly what they're yeah, doing I think yeah so every time Hopefully we're not too annoying uh, i don't think so i feel like every time that we've talked to someone they're like oh no one usually does yeah, this I'm and i'm like how how does no one ever do this this is the fun of bringing your yeah. music to life visually and that's why I that's love the cool music thing videos. about being able to make music like today in 2019 where things are all kind of mixed together and you can do like multimedia i mean you can make incredible stuff on your laptop both musically visually yeah. graphic design and it's like the access if, if you've got the ideas and just find someone to help with the craft or put the craft in you can do it now it doesn't cost a ton of money to do stuff now mm-hmm. that has really good quality so it, it's really exciting being creative at this time I think this is, oh, when, yeah. this is when you tell people no excuses that's true it's, <laughs> that's it's true. true it yeah. really is yeah. even on your phone now there's this app called InShot 
that you can even put all these different filters and yeah. trim your video yeah. just right, add music and everything just from your iPhone. It's kind of crazy. Obviously, that's not filmmaker technique, but it's for the lame men. Some, some filmmakers are filming on iPhones. Isn't there, that's uh, true. Wasn't there a movie that came out that's last year? Soderbergh. Yes, uh, Unsane, right? Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. we didn't see that, but was it really all on iPhones? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's insane. Yeah, that's unsane. <laughs> <laughs> Has that technology and everything changed the way that a band approaches making an album? Is there pressure to make a full-length album anymore? I think for us, I mean... I think it's totally changed it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the album, we're excited to make a full length album because yeah. I do think that, you know, musicians, or at least in our experience, you do tend to think sometimes in, in sort of phases a little bit. And the idea of like just constantly churning stuff out can be a little daunting mm -hmm. a little bit. So it's nice to kind of have, oh, here's our limit and here's what we're working on now. But certainly you got to be putting stuff out all the time. And if you're taking three years to make an album as a new band, like every to make every album, you know, every couple of years, it's going to it's going to slow you down. And so well, that's why we're itching technology and use it. Well, that's why we're itching right now, because the last time we put originally put out our EP was almost three years ago mm -hmm. and we had a set of songs this last year that we ended up throwing them all away and then now this actual second EP we're hoping to put out by the end of this year and that's why we're like god it's a long time coming so right. we're looking forward to the next chapter for sure and the way people consume music now is less album focused but then you're, there's always exceptions to the rule i know mm -hmm. like billy eilish like everyone's saying how everyone's listening to like all of her albums right. so it's kind of like bringing that back around and she's like the newest the, for that the genre. New blood of stuff so you know i think it's whatever you need to do creatively whatever your package if you want to do one song a month i mean I'm, that's awesome you know i think for us we need to do it yeah, in sort of phases i think we like kind of doing the more in packages and We'd like to make a certain type of album art and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that tangible side of exactly. you guys. Right, exactly. Yeah. We're so. excited to do vinyl someday. We haven't gotten into, yeah. into oh, that. That'd be so yeah. great. Yeah. I know. So soon enough. <laughs> so when do you expect that new EP? to be wrapped. I mean our deadline that we really want to put it out is Halloween of course perfect but we're <laughs> perfectionists so we'll see if we yeah, hit that deadline or not mixes done but that, yeah. fingers crossed that's what happens oh, yeah that's what we're if, going for if you miss it then you just have a couple days later just do Dia de los Muertos exactly. <laughs> there you go <laughs> there you go that's almost cooler good, yeah. thinking. good idea yeah. <laughs> duly noted <laughs> and then you guys got some really cool festival dates and yeah. things coming up this fall or what are some yep. of the ones that you're really looking forward to? I mean, I think Aftershock's going to be awesome. And we're playing on the Saturday, which I think, in my opinion, is probably the best day of any festival. It's a three-dayer just because you're snap-dag in the middle of everything. Mm -hmm. So you get to do... People have Friday. had a day of drinking, but not like two days. Yeah, where they're just, right. Where, you know. And you get to do the Friday night, come in, but then you can watch some bands and then you play the next day and then you can stay for Sunday if you want to. So Aftershock, I think, will be the fun one. Aftershock in Sacramento with some amazing and Louder Than Life. But Louder Than Life will be Louisville. awesome, too. That's coming up with some mm -hmm. great bands. I mean, Nine Inch Nails. And they've right? been really big supporters of Dead Posey, Manson, which we actually. really appreciate. Oh, that's yes. cool. Yeah, wow. Blink-182's yeah, wow. plan, Manson, who else? Corn, I think Tool. Did you say Rob Zombie already? Rob Zombie. Zombie, uh, Suicidal Tendencies, wow. Red Cross, Andrew WK. It's just like... Red crazy. Cross? Yeah, I know. Wow, that's <laughs> yeah. amazing. From the past. Yeah. yeah. Amigo the Devil's stuff. playing. Amigo oh, yeah. yeah. We love Amigo. 
together. Yeah. He was on. Yeah. I heard your guys' episode with him. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah cool. he's great. Yeah, he's awesome. So those, and then we're actually doing a week in England open for Theory, formerly Theory of a Dead Man, which would be a great chance to play to some UK mm-hmm. fans. Oh, nice. We had a good experience a few months ago in the UK. We did this thing called The Great Escape, which is like a big festival out there, more like a South by Southwest kind of thing. We had a really, really great time there. So it's going to be good to get back out there and play, mm-hmm. to, play to a bunch of people. Hopefully. And then next year we have, um, in February, Ship Rocked. So yep. there's some bands on there too that are... Be yeah. fun. Hailstorm, I think. Mm-hmm. Bunch of bunch of stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so fun. So yeah. We're looking looking forward to like the next full official tour like next year. We just so want to get new music out. We're just like, we just need to get new music out and hopefully at least one new video. So uh, that's, that's what we're hoping plan. for before that's the end plan. of the year. Keep it coming. I know. Keep we're coming. we're working we on it. Music rocks, man. <laughs> Thank music. you so Thank much. You. That's very I, I gotta know though, I gotta know who are some of your musical influences. I know I mentioned Joan oh, Jett, but I mean she's amazing. She's amazing. For me, first was I think Jim Morrison, just because I really liked his lyrics and how he just was. I found him really fascinating. I watched some documentaries about him and that was my first influence. And then obviously Kurt Cobain, just it's that darker side of their mentality I was drawn to lyrically. And then just their overall vibe that I just love is um, Alison Mosshart from The Kills. She's mm-hmm. amazing. Right. And then Shirley Manson from Garbage. So I feel like those are probably and then Rob Zombie's obviously amazing, yeah. too. So I feel like those are kind of mostly my influences as far as music goes. But I feel there's a little bit of other people that are, too, in there so yeah, those are the ones that stick out. I'm a huge like Depeche Mode fan. Oh, cool. Again, oh, cool. like, kinda, I was kind of came up like with one foot sort of in the, the 80s and one foot sort of in the 90s. So it's like a little bit of all that stuff. You follow them from back in the speaking spell days? A little young for that. Right. But I mean, I, I went back and, and <laughs> got listening? all the records. Yeah. yeah, you know, went back yeah. and got all the records. So I'm a big fan of pop music and, and melodies and stuff like that. But I grew up kind of a metalhead coming up with Pantera. Oh, yeah. He used to have oh, hair nice. down to the middle of his back. <laughs> Nice. I wish he would grow back out. I'm like, where's that I'm, hair? I'm on, I'm on the way. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Like, it's he's, coming. He's no joke. He was a metalhead. That hair was this just like... a long time ago. Then, then, I, then I discovered punk rock and, and then, right. you know, cut the hair. But, you know, so there's always a... I, I think it's nice to bring guitars back, listen to a lot of, like, pop radio. They're, they don't exist anymore, but... A little bit. You know, we, we try to obviously have that element. That's a big thing for us is the guitar. But again, right. with, with sort of steady beats and some can get bored with, like, drum fills and things like that so we try to whittle things down into the most kind of you know succinct uh like Mm-hmm. version of something yeah my new thing is like don't make the drums sound too do 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 I'm like quote. dirty it up she does not like drums sounding like drums uh-huh. so we do whatever we can to make them not sound like <laughs> normal drums everything needs to sound a little off yeah we, 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 we kind of okay that sounds cool that sounds good how do we make it sound cool that's kind of how we try <laughs> to do it right. part of that alchemy right there you go uh-huh. <laughs> bringing it back around <laughs> magic <laughs> the exception is that this alchemy is resulting in Gold. There you go. <laughs> hey. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this is not snake oil. We're here. <laughs> Just for the listeners, we are not telling him to say this. No, it's not. <laughs> thank you. Here's your here's your twenty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. It was yes. an absolute thank delight. Yes. It was so thank fun. You. Awesome. It's a real privilege for us. Thank you guys oh, so much for We actually have killer. one more story. Could I tell you guys? Hell yes. Yes. Okay. Well, goodbye, sir. Good night. Just sir. because we never wrap back around to more of the when you asked if I seen any ghosts. Yeah. Before, um, as far as the 
premonition, intuitional type of stuff. I talked about the guy in the window and then the guy at the mall. Probably the most horrifying thing that's ever happened to me is I was driving home one night and that same kind of feeling, feeling this overwhelming feeling that something was about to happen. And I was driving about 80 on the freeway at two in the morning and I just remember perking up and like really holding the wheel. And as soon as I did that, I saw a guy laying across my lane on the freeway and he was just laying there and I just crashed right over him like a speed bump going 80 and my airbags came out and all that fun stuff and because I was alert though I didn't spin out a control or anything so I pulled over to the side of the road and saw all his stuff all over my car and there was a few other people that then ran him over as well so I have ran over a dead body on the freeway but you felt it was was kind of something was happening right before something something warned me and it was all in slow motion and it made me feel like completely like I just had superpowers and it just felt very normal besides obviously the horror side of right, that story. But you were prepared for I was something. completely prepared, like as if I already was told that that was going to happen. I'm like, That's okay, wild. let's go. And wow. so that happened. Did anyone ever find out what yeah. had happened? So long story short, he was on the other side of the freeway. I guess he spun out of control and hit the center divider and he had gotten out of his car and his friend was sitting in the car still and another person hit the back of his car, made his body fly over to my side of the freeway. And then shortly after is when I ran him over and then a few other people ran him over. And so we only knew that because his friend was in the car and could tell the police what happened, of course. And they also were finding out if anybody had been drinking because they would have put us with manslaughter even though we weren't the ones that killed him. But Oh, wow. I don't drink and drive. So... Don't drink and drive because you might run over a dead body and be given manslaughter. (laughs) Even if the body was already dead. They're still going to put it on you. So that was crazy. A little public service announcement for Dead Posey. (laughs) True Dead Posey. We're here to help. We're here to help. (laughs) Stay safe. I've definitely had some weird shit happen in my day to know that stuff is out there. That was insane. Wow. There you go. All right. Well, on that note, drive safe when you go home. Yeah. today <laughs> people might be listening to this in their car it's, it's true it's true common exactly. place to listen to yes. yep yep yeah, yeah, brought roadkill to a whole other level <laughs> yeah. it's pretty horrifying uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was really sad wow so. well danielle and tony thank you guys so much once yes. again thank yeah. all thank of you guys so much to you. Thanks so amazing yeah. bye <laughs> That was a Boo Crew Podcast, episode 64. Special thanks to our guests, Danielle and Tony from Dead Posey. Follow them at Dead Posey on Instagram and at Dead underscore Posey on Twitter. Check out DeadPosey.com and their EP Freak Show available everywhere now. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye!